Hello and welcome to the Relationship Anxiety Podcast. I'm your host, Mikkel, and today we are talking about relationship brightness, God, attraction and love, and just all the things. Hello, what's up? Welcome to the podcast today. You guys, I'm so, so thrilled to share this interview that I did uh, with my client, Sarah. Um, she has so many profound insights and ahas into life. And um, just as we coached, um, it was so fun to watch her integrate and change and um, just all the awareness and shifts that she saw within herself and her anxiety. And I literally like get goosebumps. Like some of the things that she says are just like on the point. So good. Um, it's a very long episode. Um, I almost debated putting it into two parts because there's just so much in here and it's all so good. So anyways, you want to stick around to the end. Lots of good stuff in here. Um, and without further ado, we're going to go ahead and dive right into it. All right. Hello. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Um, so Sarah is one of my my former clients, and I I was just telling her this, but I um I loved loved coaching her. Like she just has so much wisdom and insight, and I was like, we have to have her come on the podcast to share all of her experience and her story and um wisdom with you guys today. So before we dive into all the relationship anxiety things, um. I would love for you to tell our listeners some random things about you. Oh, random things. <laughs> I didn't about prepare me. you for that one. <laughs> you didn't prepare me for this. Um, random things. Let's see. First things that come to my head. Um, I love to roller skate. Um, I'm just looking around my room at random That's things. Literally, I make about you. I roller skate. I like to make earrings. Um, let's see. I don't know. I, um, and I love to do random crafts. So yeah, that's me. That's awesome. Um, so it's okay. I share when one of the things Sarah and I worked a lot, we, you worked a lot on was, um, being more confident in making decisions. Um, and so that was one of the challenges we did when we could like, let's just practice making little tiny choices and like just being confident in them. And, and you like came on the call the next week and you're just like, I bought rollerblades or roller skates. And like, it's been awesome. And I'm, I was like, oh, I love that. That's so fun. <laughs> yes. I went a little crazy that week. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. She like got roller skates, got bangs, like, like took the, let's make small, confident little choices and like ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. So tell me, um, tell everyone listening, kind of just a little bit about, um, just kind of, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your story and your experience with, um, relationship anxiety, like kind of what brought you to doing this work on yourself? Yeah. Um, I feel like this is like a hard, it should be a really easy question to answer, but like, what's your experience with relationship anxiety? But for me, it was kind of a complicated relationship with coming to terms with having relationship anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of 
I didn't know that that was even a thing until I was in a relationship um, like eight months ago. Um, and we kept breaking up and getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. We got engaged. Then we broke up. Then we still wanted to get married. And then it was just this whole process. And every time things were good um, and we felt confident, we were like, yes, let's get married. And every time things were bad, we were like, no, let's break up. <laughs> and um, a lot of it, it was kind of like the signs of relationship anxiety were shown in my partner. And I actually, he was the one that found out that relationship anxiety was even a thing. Um, cause all of the like typical symptoms were more on him. Um, but I didn't really like blaming the problems on him. And I felt like it wasn't ringing true for me that it was all on him. Um, and I kind of felt like relationships were much more reflective and that everything I was doing was everything he was doing was like a reflection of how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And so then I kind of was like, no, I'm going to own this. <laughs> and I didn't really fully own it until after we broke up officially. Um, and I kind of realized that my anxiety was getting worse, not being in a relationship with him. And so I knew it wasn't just, it wasn't just him and it was something I needed to do for me. Um, so I could grow and I I don't know a lot of my anxieties in a relationship were like just so interesting um, I would have like an insecurity about my ability to run and then it would reflect in my partner that he was doubting that we weren't compatible in running or I was feeling like maybe I wasn't pretty enough and I was looking for him to fill that void of like am I attractive mm -hmm. and it came out as him not thinking I was attractive. And, um, and I can say that now looking back and it's much more clear that that's like both of us were having problems reflecting on each other. Uh -huh. Um, but in the moment it felt much more like, oh my gosh, my partner's not attracted to me. <laughs> like, oh no, what do I do about this? Um, and I also was so worried when we were getting engaged about getting an answer for God from God about if we should get married or not. And so after we broke up, I just kind of realized all this and I was still having these same anxieties, even though I didn't have a person next to me. And so I was like, I, I need to get some help. So that's when I had a friend who had seen Mikkel, who had gone to Mikkel and she recommended Mikkel. And I'm so glad that I, ended up doing coaching because a lot of these things I had learned from listening to our podcasts, from watching various Instagram accounts, but it's different to actually have someone there to hold your hand to apply a lot of these things into your life. Yeah. Okay. So much like good stuff in there. I want to unpack. Um, and first thing I was curious, we could actually kind of highlight a little bit is you kind of noticed like you were saying how your anxiety kind of played off of each other. So you notice like where your insecurity, he would start to kind of doubt and question the relationship in that area. And they would kind of feed off of each other. Um, one thing I just wanted to highlight there is a lot of times. So with hit with stereotypical anxiety, you said that he had more stereotypical anxiety. Um, what 
I see a lot of times is we actually have like two like types of attachment styles that you were describing so beautifully of like the avoidant attachment and the anxious attachment. And a lot of times we tend to be attracted to that kind of almost polar opposite attachment style um, where that avoidant is maybe kind of that more stereotypical anxiety I talk a lot about on the podcast of like, oh, I don't know if I'm attracted. I don't know if this is right. And then we kind of tend to push away, right? And then on the other side, we have the more anxious attachment that's like, wait, but am I good enough? Do you actually love me? Do you really want me, right? And we kind of tend to pursue. And the more we pursue as that anxious person, the avoidant attachment tends to push away more. And we're like magnets that like will kind of push and pull each other almost. Yes. And it's so good. Like, I think there's like, we can kind of judge the fact that that dynamic happens or we can kind of like look at it like, it's a good thing because we actually need both of those elements, but it just finding more balance in yourself with both of those. Yes. Yes. Like you need someone who's going to pursue, but sometimes you need to back away. Yeah. Yes. And I think a lot of times that's what this work is about is learning how to incorporate like as an anxious attachment, learning how to have more of a sense of independence and more of a sense of like, who am I? And like, not needing the person all the time. And then as an avoidant is learning how to like let someone in and be close to you and, and rely on another person and not, um, and not like need to push them away constantly. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. So don't really push it, but that was just like what I was thinking about is no, that's great. <laughs> um, so you, one thing you didn't, you said you kind of notice is, re- and I, I think is so powerful as you said, um, I'm going to own this because I think in your, in your situation, I see with a lot of people, it can be really, really easy to just like nitpick, like, okay, well, my partner did this and they did that. Right. And see where like they're struggling. What, when you were willing to recognize that, like what kind of changed for you once you started realizing like, okay, I'm going to own this. Um, well, it was interesting because I definitely felt the temptation not to, like, even when I talk to like friends and family members that are close to me about the situation, it's just so much easier to like nitpick him. Right. Especially now that he's not in my life to be like, oh, like that's, that was on him. Um, But once I just was like, I'm going to own this, it just became I don't know, like such a more beautiful journey for myself and so much less shame because I feel like before I was like, how would I, how am I falling in love with someone that's like this? Like, why do I keep being with them? But instead it's like, this is who I am. Like, this is part of me and I get to own this and I get to use this part of me in whatever way I want to use it. And I feel like it just came with so much more acceptance and and like love for myself that like and love for the other person like I feel no ill feelings towards him because I realized that it was so reflectional yeah so how do you think for you one is owning it and being accepting of yourself how did you find that piece because I think a lot of times to own it, we start shaming ourselves. Like we either want to blame our partner or we're like, I'm a horrible, awful person. So how did that you was, own it and not shame yourself? Yeah, that was something like I needed help with. 
for sure. Because I was trying to, before I started seeing Mikkel, to, like, love that part of me. Um, But I think just, I've always believed that, like, every weakness has a strength in it. Yeah. So just kind of seeing the ways that, like, why, why was I doing that? How was that benefiting me at the time? And how could that benefit me in the future? Like, and instead of seeing it as like, oh my gosh, this awful part of me, seeing it as like, this is such a beautiful thing I get to learn from and I get to see all the edges of myself that need to be healed because I have this, because I decided to own this. Like I get to see where I don't feel attractive. I get to heal that part. I get to see where I don't feel like I'm enough. And that's why I keep beating myself up about not being compatible. Like I get to see all of those parts and that's so beautiful instead of being like, oh my gosh, it's so awful that I don't feel like this. And I keep making this dynamic, like just being like, I'm so grateful that that dynamic existed because now I get to have this dynamic. If that makes sense. This dynamic within yourself, right? Yeah, within myself, where I don't hate any part of me. Yes. Oh my gosh, I wish I could like have you say all of that again. That was so good. (laughs) (laughs) I think sometimes that's like, it's so easy when we notice it come up to want to blame our partner because we want to shame ourselves. Like if I own it, I'm going to shame myself. I'm going to beat myself up, right? Or I'm going to blame my partner. But when you can find that beautiful balance of what you just described of that, like owning it and accepting it, then like relationship anxiety doesn't become this like big, heavy burden. And woe is me, you're awful kind of thing. It becomes this like really beautiful invitation to refine and become more aligned with like who you want to be in the world. Right. And healing it's that opportunity to heal. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the invitation is to love that part of you. That's what the, what, that's what relationship anxiety is doing. It's inviting you to love that part of yourself and your partner. Yeah. It's pushing you to your boundary of love and seeing what you can do. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that's, yeah, we want to blame our partner. So then, because we're like, okay, that'll get us to go away. If we can blame him, we can fix him, right? Or we could, yeah, have him. Or if I blame myself, then I can fix myself. Yes. Then I can like make, finally feel good enough. Then I can finally feel pretty enough, right? Mm -hmm. But neither of those is ever going to work because that's a, neither of you need to be fixed. Like it's not a fixing situation. You just need more acceptance and love for all of those parts. Yeah. And the cool thing is you do that is you become closer to yourself. You become closer to your partner. You become closer to friends, family, everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I've noticed is like, as I've done this, I have created such more authentic relationships with friends Yes. and more authentic relationships with God and myself. And that's just a beautiful thing. A beautiful byproduct. Yes, because you're not actually. I I was about to tell you my theory about it, but I would love to hear why. Why do you think that's the case for you? That you've noticed that. Um, I think, I think it's because you're not trying to find like the things you're similar in, or you're not trying to find like 
things that people need to work on or things you need to work on. You're just loving the fact that we're all like in whatever place we're in, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. What is your theory? I want to hear your theory. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking how a lot of times, like when we're looking for that validation from other people, right. When we're more anxious attachment, if we're insecure in ourselves, right. And we're constantly questioning and doubting ourselves. Like, I know this, I guess I speak from my own personal experience. I, I totally see this in me of like, I, I used to like really identify as like, oh, I have lots of friends and people really like me and stuff. And like now in hindsight, I realize it's like, I had so much insecurity and I was looking for everyone else to like validate who I was as a person. And I was like catering and tailoring myself to like make everybody like me. And then as I did work on relationship anxiety, not only to help me be more confident in a relationship, but it helped me like show up with friends. And now I'm not looking for my friend to validate me as a person. And I'm able to actually just like connect with them. Mm -hmm. And, and I think like something about what you said is like, I think for like a lot of people like love and like friendships, it's like, oh, these people are going to make me happy. They're going to make me feel good. Like, but when you're not looking for someone else to make you feel anything, like that's what relationship anxiety does. It just lets you feel however you're feeling. Then it leaves more space for an authentic feeling, an authentic relationship, because you're not putting pressure on other people to like fill voids in yourself. Yes. You're just, you filled the void and any void you haven't feel, filled, you just accept that that's not filled, but you have a void and that's okay. And so you can connect with people without being like, oh my gosh, we need to be happy. We need to make sure we're having a good time. And like, if we're not having a good time, then that means we can't be close. Like, it's fine. You can be disconnected and connected and it's fine. Yeah. And that's what, yeah, I think we get like, because we're looking for our relationship to validate our own worth, we get like really rigid rules around it. Like you were just describing Like we have to always feel connected and they need to tell me I'm pretty and this needs to happen and this needs to happen, right? In order Mm -hmm. to feel connected, right? But then as we get rigid like that, we're automatically shutting down the opportunity for any connection that could arise. Yes. Yep. One thing I wanted to ask you about, as you kind of mentioned earlier, is you noticed yourself really getting caught up on God. And this is like a a lot of my clients are Christian and kind of dealt that similar thought of, um, you know, is this what God wants? And so I would love to hear a little bit more of kind of just like, what was your experience with like dealing with that doubt as well as kind of like what your thoughts are now on, on God and his perspective on relationships and our choices. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I was dealing with a lot of like, God, please tell me if this is who I should marry. And then I would feel like I should. And then a few days later, I would feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't gotten this crazy big answer. Like, uh, and then I'd ask again and again and again, and I was just wanting God to tell me what to do. And I, I realized a lot of that is just me, like believing that there was a right or a wrong, that like there was a right way for me to live my life or a wrong way. And that God needed to tell me or I would be doomed. Uh-huh. Like if I chose the wrong path, oh no, oh no, I would not be okay. 
and and a lot of it was just like frankly my not wanting to make a decision on my own me not trusting myself so I decided that if I could put that on God then I wouldn't have to figure out what I want I could just make God decide for me uh-huh and now I just think it's I don't know I I've had like a lot of thoughts and I had to kind of break down my right versus wrong feelings with God. And it kind of, it frankly shook my faith for a little while. I was not sure where I landed for a minute. Um, I had a lot of questions come up when I was doing that. And now I just, I kind of realized that God has put me on this earth with the ability to choose. And not just given me the ability to choose. I am myself a being that chooses. That's who I am. It's not something outside of me. It's not a gift. It's something I am. I am someone that chooses. And the best way I can honor God is by trusting myself to make decisions. By trusting myself to move forward. And another realization I had is just like all of those things that I felt like we're right or wrong were really just ways God was trying to bless me. Like if I felt like it was right, it's just maybe a path with less resistance. I don't know if that makes sense. But no, can you elaborate it, on that more actually? Yeah. Like I I kind of realized I kind of worried so much about like commandments and like, oh no, commandments, like there's a right and a wrong. And maybe people will disagree with me in this, but I just felt like so much of those were just God giving me guidelines to help me to have it an easier life, a life with less resistance. Living that way would be easier. Mm-hmm. It would bring less consequences. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that like me choosing the, a different partner would have been wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. And then. Okay. We have to pause and highlight that though. I think that's yeah. so like. I think we really get caught up in that very black and white thinking of either there's a right choice and a wrong, right? And either this person I'm with, they are right or wrong, right? And I need to figure out which bucket they fall into, right? In order to make sure that I'm going to have this, like God's going to bless me with this good future, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Start like analyzing and trying to figure out if they're right or if they really love us, right? To guarantee this future. But we're almost like you said abdicating responsibility kind of like we're, we're giving it like, okay, here you go. God, like tell me what to do. And then give me this guarantee essentially that Mm -hmm. my life's going to turn out a certain way. And it sounds so like, it sounds good. And it sounds holy on the surface, almost of like, look, I'm trying to get God to tell me what to do, but I'm doing God's will. It's amazing. Right. That's what it sounds like, right? But really when it's like so fear-based, it's not truly coming. It it's almost more like we're looking for God to like give us a sign, right? Yes. He's like we're looking for God to give us a sign and a guarantee versus operating out of faith, right? Mm-hmm. Trusting God without knowing what the future holds. And two is exactly what you said of taking our own responsibility and trusting ourselves to make a choice. Okay. And I think that is like, that is God's will. God's will is for you to take 100% responsibility of your life. 
like to love the person you're with. That is God's will. Whoever that person is, I don't, I don't know if it really matters that much, honestly. Like God loves all of his children and he loves them all the same. I don't think it matters too much who you're with. I think it matters how you, how you love them and that you are putting the effort in to do anything you can that's preventing you from loving them. And whether that person is a friend or a, a sibling or a partner, I don't think it really matters. So I don't know. That's just a thought. And like, I even feel that way about my ex. Like, I don't think it would have mattered if we would have gotten married or not. Like, I can love someone else or I could have loved him and it didn't really matter. Yes. There was, it wasn't wrong to be with him and it wasn't right to be with him. It was just being with him. And then we get to decide what we make of that, right? Mm-hmm. I I love that. And I think, you know, some some people hearing that might feel a little bit of anxiety of like, oh, but wait, wait, there's not a right or a wrong choice. But the, but the reason that fear is there, like if you can really lean into this, like, like getting to this place, what Sarah's describing is like, there's so much freedom that comes with it of being able to recognize like there are so many life choices that you can take so many paths you can pursue that could all lead to amazing beautiful lives and ultimately it's really about you being willing to make choices and show up and and be in and make the most of wherever you're at right what you do with the choice rather than making the right choice Mm -hmm. yeah the choice itself doesn't matter that much. And I think there's, it's natural if there's like some anxiety in the fact that like, oh no, there's not a right versus wrong. Does that mean like I could just do anything? And there's a lot of anxiety in the fact that you just have complete utter control over whatever you want to do and whatever you decide is going to be okay. Because that's a lot of, that's a lot of options. And for us anxious decision makers, that's like pretty scary. Yes. (laughs) But it's also okay. Like that's kind of exciting that you get that many choices. Yeah. And I think the reason it's scary too is also because we've been kind of conditioned to almost think this way. Like you think about it in school, right? You go, you take tests and there's multiple choices and like, oh, you better figure out the right answer, right? You got to get the good grade. And I love thinking about decision-making and living our lives and our relationships more like art projects. Yes. Where there is, there is not, it's not A, B, C, or D. It's you are creating. And especially as we talk about it with our relationship with God is I think of a relationship as something that you are co-creating with, with God and your partner and yourself. And there are like a lot of different ways that could turn out and it could look and it could be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think looking at it as an art project is so beautiful because no one cares what you draw. No one cares what you're going to paint. Like just make whatever life you decide to paint a beautiful one. Like just decide that it's going to be enough. And that's great. And like, just put all your energy into that painting and it's going to be great. Yes. 
And that's the crazy thing is when we get so caught up in that right or wrong, what, what happens is we kind of withdraw from the relationship or we get overly clingy and overly frantic in it, right? One mm-hmm. of the two extremes, depending on what attachment style you are, right? Um, and then as we do that, we start creating a dynamic, and an experience that isn't necessarily what we're wanting, right? Versus when we're allowing ourselves to just create and go all in, we start building something that aligns with kind of what we're envisioning. Right. Mm-hmm. I, that's like one of my favorite quotes about relationship anxiety is that like, if you spend all your life analyzing your relationship, you'll never actually be in your relationship. You'll just be analyzing the relationship. And I think the same goes for, I have found I'm anxious in a lot of life decisions. Uh-huh. Like if I spend all my time analyzing what job I should have, I'm never going to actually enjoy the job I have because I'm going to be analyzing if it's right and not living every day and just doing my best in the job. Yeah. So. And I think it also creates like a lot of everything you don't want, everything you're trying to avoid by analyzing is being created in the space between analyzing it and living it. Yes. Like in between that space where you're like analyzing something, ha- some dynamic has to be created. And the dynamic that gets created is the one you're analyzing because it's the one you're thinking about. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so good. <laughs> I can think of like, just to kind of like illustrate that, like example, literally of you remember like having that moment and like before I really like obsessed on attractiveness with my partner, where I just had like a moment of like, you know, like we we're engaged and looking at him and like, like he's cute. And then my brain being like, but like, do you really feel like that? Are you going to feel like that forever? How do you know? Right. And so then immediately I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to not feel attracted to him. So like, let me like, I'm going to check in the next light and let me, let me see if I think he's cute tomorrow. Right. And, and let me compare to these other people. Right. It just like snowballed into this thing that was very mentally consuming for me. Of course, you're not going to be attracted to him if you're looking for all of the reasons you're not attracted to him. Yes. Or even when you're like arguing with yourself constantly and trying to prove that he is, right? Like attraction does not come to you in that space. Yes. Yes. And in, in my scenario, I was so worried that he, if he was attracted to me, I was looking for times when I could see that he was, when he wasn't like, of course, I'm not going to feel attractive if I'm looking for someone else to like make that, like, of course that's the dynamic that's going to get created if I'm so caught up in it in my mind. Right. And even when we think about like, he gives you that validation or he says you're attractive, right? You could get that and be reassured for a little bit, but that can never almost like say, it's like trying to fill up a cup with a hole in it. Yes. That can never compensate that external validation, whether he's giving it or not to you can never compensate for your own insecurity within. Right. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you like that attraction, you feeling like someone else needs to tell you if you're attraction attractive is never going to be filled by someone else because it's your own insecurity and you being worried about the other person being attractive is not going to be filled by someone that's more attractive because it's your own thing yes 
Like that doesn't belong to anyone else. And no one else can own that for you. No one else can fill that for you. It's your own. Yes. So good. And again, we might feel some sh- shame with that, right? Of not wanting, I think we had kind of deny it being ours because there's yes. some shame that can come with that. Or it sounds like a lot of hard work, but again, I really think it's, it can be one of the most empowering things to come to terms with. Mm-hmm. On the attraction note, cause I wanted to, I wanted you to share a little bit of, cause we talked to, this is one thing we kind of coached on it of just like beauty and feeling pretty enough. And like, um, I would love to hear just kind of your thoughts on all the things attraction. <laughs> I, <know it's> very <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts and some of them I feel like kind of ruin our idea of attraction because we feel like, oh my gosh, it's like this inherent thing. Like you just, someone is just like, oh, they give you the butterflies. Yeah. And like, oh, they just make your heart pound. They're so attractive. Um, but like so much of that <laughs> is like anxiety, like the butterfly feeling is so much anxiety. And I think for me, I just kind of found that like, I realized that what was found beautiful, like 50 years ago, for instance, like a hundred years ago, we even go like middle med- medieval times. Like they thought that like plump women were like more attractive or you even go to like rural villages I went to a rural village in Fiji and like they find more larger women, more attractive generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just interesting that that is what like was generally found attractive. And now that's not generally what's found attractive. And I find um, it's just interesting. Like as I've been dating the last few months, whenever I go on a date with someone or I go on a second date with someone, my friends are like, oh, let me see a picture of him. Let's see what he looks like. And I kind of found that so much of this, so much of like what we find attractive is just us finding what other people are going to think is attractive for us or trying to create what other people are going to think about us because we're dating someone. Okay. Repeat that again. Yes. (laughs) So like, if you are with a really attractive guy, you're going to think you're going to, your friends are going to think you're more attractive because you're with that person. If you're with a less attractive person, they're going to think you're less attractive because you couldn't get someone that's more attractive. But this attraction is just like whatever society has decided looks good. Yes. Like it doesn't actually reflect anything in 20 years it's going to change what is attractive and so it's like we can keep doing this thing where we try to like find someone that will look good so that our friends can think we look good and like or we could just realize that like attraction is kind of it's more of a dynamic that's created it's more of how am I taking care of myself how is the other person taking care of them how is this like relationship a magnet and not does that person look good or not? Because I want to make sure they look good. So other people think I look good. Yes. And I, this so beautifully said, and I think ultimately is kind of even looking what's underneath the surface of it, which is it boils down to like a worth thing. 
I think a lot of times of like, what, why do we even want to look good? I think exactly of it's, it is a lot of it is image and why do we even want to look good? And it's because then I will be a more worthwhile human being Mm -hmm. and I will have value, right? If my partner's attractive or I'm attractive and that makes so much sense because we live in a society that, that communicates that to us, right? That our value is contingent on worth, right? Mm -hmm. Or even you think about fairy tales, right? Someone like Cinderella, who is, she was just this like lowly servant girl who had this miserable life. And then the most handsome, most sought after man in the kingdom picked her. And now all of a sudden she has respect. And she had to look really good for the ball for him to make her. Yes. Yes. (laughs) She, she got all dressed up for that. Yes. (laughs) But I don't know. I've, I've asked clients this before of like, if, when they worry about the attraction of like, okay, if you were on an Island and no one else was there, would it matter? Right. If your partner was more or less attractive. And a lot of times the answer is no, because so much of it is about wanting other people to perceive mm-hmm. our partner a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think it can kind of be like a little bit of a knife to like a knife to your chest to like fully own that that's what's going on with you. But I think that's, that's what it is. Like (laughs) generally that's what attraction is. It's what you think other people are going to think is good. Yeah. I know like definitely we see that with body types, right? Like Marilyn Monroe and very curvy was very trendy in the early two thousands. It was like very stick thin models. It was even a thing for guys. I found that they like there's like a chart that shows ideal men body types back in the day versus like, then like the eighties that became more like thin and then like bulked up more and like, it just fluctuates. Right. And I think when we look at attraction this way, it's almost like we're treating ourselves or our partners, like clothing items that are going to get. And we feel good about it. Other people like it. Right. But uh-huh. then it's going to go out or someone else isn't going to like it. And then our whole dynamic is hinging on that. Yeah. And, and how unhelpful to like place your own worth and someone else's worth on something you can't control at all. Right. I don't control what I look like. Like I didn't make my face. I didn't make my body. Like I just ended up really tall and that's just who I am. Like if I could choose, I would be short, but I didn't choose. So I'm tall. And like, to be so worried about it when you don't get to control what the other person looks like, or they don't even get to control it, or you don't get to control what you look like to an extent, like you can cut your hair, put makeup on, but you're still going to look the same. And I think it's just so much more helpful to focus on the things that people can control. Like the things that are attractive are the things they can control. How are they treating others? How do they treat themselves? How are they treating you? Yes. Those are the things that are attractive, not this thing I can't control, which is what I look like. Yeah. That's so good. So tell, if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing with everyone, kind of like, how has your perspective on love changed? It's changed a lot. (laughs) Um. I feel like it used to be much more of like the infatuation. Um, But now I realize that love is that space you make together. Whether like it's that space you make to grow and to learn. And 
I think I used to feel so, I know this is kind of a realization I had while I was thinking about this podcast. I used to be so worried about like making sure that I showed up right in the relationship. And now I realize that like part of love is you showing up wrong in the relationship and then learning how to fix it. It's that space when you say an offhanded comment to someone and then you have to fix it. Like love is not in that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, we're just perfectly like aligned and just everything's great. It's what happens when it's not. What happens when things are kind of, there's a tension when you're not showing up the way you want to, when you're not reacting perfectly, when you can't love every part of them, like, then what do you do? Is that space somewhere where you can both be safe and where you can both like grow and explore those parts of you or is it not? I don't know. And I also, I also kind of realized that like, love is not about finding the right person at all. Like, it's not about finding the right people in your life. It's about being the right person. It's about that feeling you have in yourself. It's that authenticness you show up that we were talking about, that authenticness you bring to your friendships. That's love. It's not about like finding a friend who's exactly like you Mm -hmm. or finding a lover that's like exactly like you, that you have all the same compatibilities. It's about like, being authentic and loving the things that are different about them. So I don't know if that, if any of that made sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that was beautiful. I love that. Um, I'm just like soaking that in. That was really good. <laughs> I mean, I think of ultimately like how God loves us unconditionally, right? And one of the things that sets his love apart from how we love, right, is, is that space when we are messing things up and he's like, I'm still there, right? Trying to help us and trying, trying to support us as much as we will let him, right? And so it, it's very much, it's like a very imperfect love to the I, I will love and we can love only if all these things line up, right? Only if you treat me the way, exactly the way I want to be treated. And, you know, like we say all the right things and we never fight and like we have perfect connection, then we can love, right? It's like, it, it's actually just like a very much like the rom-com, like kitty pool version of what we are sold love is versus the actual like deepness that comes from like, I'm allowing you to be human, and I'm being human and, and we're going to come together and support each other in that. And it's going to be messy and I'm not running away because of that. And I don't need to hate myself because I'm not perfect at loving you. Yes. And I don't need to hate you because you're not perfect at loving me. Yes. Like, I can just, we can just work on it. And that's the purpose of the loving relationship. That's the whole purpose. And you might have some red flags. I might have some red flags, but we're going to come together and we're going to love each other while we work on those. Yeah, And we're going to see that like most of the things that you're struggling with or the things that I struggle with about you are just things that I'm like trying to learn to love in myself. And I, this was kind of like manifest to me. I was just thinking about this. Like I remember this specific moment with my ex where I was like, this is what love is. It's not the infatuation. 
because we were, it was like right before we broke up, but we were crying on the floor of my apartment. And he was crying to me about how he was doubting our relationship. And we were holding each other and crying and just like in so much love. And it hurt so much that like we were doubting each other, but it was also like a loving space where we were just like, I, I'm still here, even though we aren't sure how we feel about each other. And like those moments are the moments that feel like love. Yeah. So would what would you like, just to kind of wrap up of like, any last thoughts that you would, well, I guess actually first is like, where would you kind of say like you're at currently in your relationship anxiety journey? And actually go ahead. Let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> um, right now I'm just like dating around and enjoying getting to know people. Um, and I'm also like realizing that I don't know if I'll ever be perfectly healed from relationship anxiety and that's okay. And that's like a beautiful thing that I get to work on during my life. Yeah. And also not beating up past Sarah for the mistakes that she made. That's kind of where I'm at now. Just kind of like enjoying where I'm at and enjoying the fact that right now I get to just date around. Yeah. What would you say like one, cause you know, there are some people listening to this that have been in that off again, on again, like, you know, they're, they're in it, like crying on the bathroom floor. Like you were just describing they're in that moment. And, um, you know, I just look at you and just one, the, the relationship you have with yourself and how much like the confidence and peace that you have. And I just from this, this place that you're at right now, right advice that you could give to past Sarah, like what advice would you give to that girl that's listening or more man that's listening to this podcast? Right. And, and they're just in the thick of it and they're feeling really down and hopeless and discouraged. I think I would just say like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you for being in that situation. Number one, like that is such a beautiful it's such a painful place to be in and I've been there and it's also one of the most beautiful places to be in. Like it is so heart wrenchingly beautiful. And I think just to like love and trust that no matter what happens in your relationship, that you are going to be absolutely fine, that you are going to have a happy life no matter what. And like instead of instead of running from your body from your experience from your present moment by like going to all these questions in your head like stop and just enjoy the moment stop and enjoy where you're at and live the questions instead of trying to find the answers like stop looking for your answer just live the fact that you're in the question and you might find an answer or you might not because most of your questions can't be answered. Like if your partner's right, if it's relationship anxiety, if your partner's compatible, like those are not answerable questions. I don't know if I have relationship anxiety. I don't know if 
anyone's compatible for me, but it doesn't matter. Just fully commit to where you're at and own that that's where you're at. And I think also as as you ask yourself those questions and kind of spin out is like ultimately what you're looking for when you are spitting out those questions is you're looking to feel more peace, right? You're looking to be able to enjoy your life, right? And through the process of that, you're creating more misery for yourself, right? But if you can like really tap into what Sarah's describing of like that, like being present and what's happening right now in your life, that's where you're going to actually start creating that joy, that connection, that attraction, whatever it is that you're wanting, right? Versus the spinning and the questions is not going to get you anywhere. Just don't beat yourself up if in the process you spin again. Like try to enjoy the presence. And then when you start spinning again, try to bring yourself back. But if you can't, it's okay. No one's perfect. Like sometimes you're going to go back to those questions and that's okay. Yeah. But just try to bring yourself back to the present and what you're wanting. Thank you for being willing to come today and share your heart and story and all of your wisdom with everyone. Thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs> I hope it made sense. <laughs> oh, yes. <I> did. <laughs> um. Oh, do you want to share with everyone where they can find more of your wisdom if they're interested in hearing more? Uh, yes. Sometimes I write poems. So if you want to listen to my random poems or sometimes I make random rants on Instagram, uh, you can follow me. It's uh, sincerely underscore SMP on Instagram. SMP? SMB. B, B. Okay. So at sincerely underscore SMB. Yes. It's a lot of really beautiful thoughts on things on self-worth and attraction and love and all the things that we've been really diving into today. So. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Raquel. You're the best. Thank you.